Well, thank you for your generous giving. Appreciate that so much. And uh, just want to say welcome again to our church, whether you're here in person or watching us online on YouTube or Facebook or listening to our podcast. Glad that you could be with us here at Calvary. We're going to be back in Matthew, Matthew chapter 11 here in just a few moments. Last week, we began a series called What's Weighing You Down? And uh, we looked at a passage in the book of Matthew chapter 11, and we'll pick up where we left off here in just a few moments. But there are so many things, so many burdens that can weigh us down, right? Like, like financial issues, relational issues, issues at work or at home or, or wherever it might be. Some of you, you're facing issues like anxiety or fear, some of you. You struggle with low self-esteem, and that just really is a heavy burden. It's weighing you down. So many things in life that can drain us, drain us mentally and physically and emotionally. The list can go on and on. And, and last week, we looked at the heaviest weight of all that weighs us down, and that is the weight of sin. Talked about the weight of sin. Sin is an obstacle to real freedom and victory and joy that Jesus wants us to have in Him. And long about the verse twelve, or verse twenty through verse twenty-four in Matthew eleven, Jesus gave a very stern call to repentance. He said to those who know to repent but yet refuse to repent. He said it would be better for Tyre and Sidon and Sodom, three, three places notorious for their wickedness that were destroyed because of God's judgment and wrath that came down upon them. He said it would be better for them than those who refuse to repent. So we talked about how we better kill the sin before the sin kills us and how repentance lifts that weight of sin. And as we move into the next verses here in chapter 11, Jesus gives us the prescription for all those other things that weigh us down. It's actually one of the greatest invitations that we find in Scripture. Let's pick it up. Matthew chapter 11. Hopefully you found it by now. Beginning with verse 28. Jesus says this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Then he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Boy, just reading those words from Jesus, it, it just brings a sense of peace and rest, doesn't it? Some read this verse and they find it a bit confusing. They're, they're like, okay, so Jesus is asking me to take something from him and put it on me. Yeah, he said that it might be easy, it might be light, but my life is already so full. My life is already so stressed. I don't have margin to take anything else on right now. Well, this invitation from Jesus isn't meant to be burdensome at all. He's not trying to add weight to us. He's not trying to burden us down. This is actually an invitation for us to rearrange some things in our lives, to 
reset some priorities, to realign our life with what he has for us. Jesus said, take my yoke. Now, last year, uh, one of the messages that Kelly was preaching, she actually brought out a yoke, a a wooden yoke. And and, uh, she described to us how you would take this wooden yoke and, and you would put it around the neck of oxen, right? You, you'd put it on the, around the neck of two oxen, actually. And uh, there'd be a, a, a mature ox that's big and strong with broad shoulders. And then they would link that uh, ox to a, a lesser, weaker, less mature ox. And so uh, plowing the field was hard work as they would pull that farm equipment a- across the, the field, But that larger, stronger, more mature ox would take the brunt of the work. Leaving the less mature, the the weaker ox to just kind of be along for the ride. And and the heavier load would go on the more mature ox. So when Jesus invites us to take his yoke, we can expect him to take the weight off of us and onto him. Connect to Jesus, and he'll be your burden bearer. Connect to Jesus, and he'll be your heavy load sharer. He wants to lighten our load. See, some of us are weighed down with all of these burdens of life because we haven't connected to Jesus. In fact, we want to be the lead ox instead of letting Jesus be the lead ox. Any other recovering <laughs> drivers, right? Any other recovering control freaks that like to be in the driver's seat? Jesus invites us to take his yoke. Now, his audience, these Jews, they, they would have understood the concept of what a yoke is because they also used this term to express one's obligation to God. So there was the yoke of the kingdom, There's the yoke of the law, the yoke of the commands, the yoke of religion, the yoke of faith, the yoke of repentance, all of these yokes that were put on the people. Let me give you an example. Most of us are familiar with the Ten Commandments that we find in the Bible. But if you added up all of the instruction given to the Jews in the Old Testament, it wouldn't be just the Ten Commandments. It would add up to over 600 laws and commands. Well, to help clarify those 600 rules, the Pharisees thought it would be a good idea to put a a heavy yoke on the Jewish people. They were notorious for this, adding even more rules and laws to the people. For example, one of the commandments, talking about the Sabbath day, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And by the way, we will talk more about the Sabbath as we go along this morning. But that just meant that the Jews were not supposed to work on a particular day of the week. They were not supposed to work on the seventh day of the week, on Saturday. Well, to clarify this, the Pharisees, they came up with, they created 39 different categories on what work meant. Okay, these 39 categories, this is what we mean by don't work on the Sabbath. Then to further clarify, they would add subcategories below those 39 categories. So to follow one rule, you were bound to thousands of sub-rules. Rules like how many steps you can take on the Sabbath day. Rules like uh, how many letters you can write on the Sabbath. 
Well, Jesus, he comes along and says, hey, I'm going to simplify all of this for you. Okay, you don't need to worry about all of this yoke that the Pharisees keep trying to put on you. Put aside that yoke and take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Don't worry about all that heavy lifting. I'll do the heavy lifting for you. Well, this was, this was a new concept for his audience. This was a new concept for his followers, for the disciples, because this had been their way of life as Jewish people for centuries. In fact, the disciples, they were still wrestling with this after Jesus ascended back to the Father and they founded the early church. In Acts chapter 15, you don't have to turn there, but there was a council meeting to try and figure some of this stuff out. Some of the council were trying to add those Jewish laws and regulations onto the Gentiles after they became followers of Christ. Well, Peter, he spoke up and tried to bring some clarity to the situation. So he addresses the council in Acts chapter 25. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear. We've not even been able to do this as Jewish people. And now you're expecting Christ followers who aren't Jews to do this as well? Peter says, this burdensome yoke isn't helping anyone. If anything, it became so overwhelming that most people couldn't even come close to appeasing all the rules and the laws and the regulations. And so Jesus' invitation to take his yoke, it's an invitation that he's going to remove all of those rules, all of those regulations, that big, heavy burden, that big yoke, and exchange it for his yoke. And what an incredible, incredible exchange that it is because we trade in all of this heavy stuff, all the burdens, all the carrying, all the worrying, and we get back in return a yoke that is easy and light and life-giving. See, some of us, we are attached to some yokes that are weighing us down. And I don't know what your yoke might be this morning. It could be a variety of things. Maybe your yoke is an addiction, something that has control of your mind, your thoughts, and it's affecting your actions and the way you're living life. Maybe your yoke is a bad relationship. You're just yoked to someone who keeps bringing you down. Your yoke could be a, a, a low self-esteem. Your yoke might be some bad theology. Your, your yoke might be some sexual activity that is unpleasing to the Lord, but yet you feel trapped. You don't know how to get out of it. Maybe you're yoked to the pursuit of more power and more money and climbing the corporate ladder. It could even be a yoke that someone else put on you. You never asked for it. Or maybe it's a yoke that you just picked up yourself along the way sometime. Well, regardless of what yoke you've picked up and whoever put that yoke upon you, if that yoke is not from Jesus, we're just adding more weight, more baggage, and more restlessness to our lives. I think of, of the woman at the well. We find her story in the book of John chapter four. She was yoked to some sin in her life. She was weighed down with the carries and the weight 
of her decisions. Some of the burdens were put on her by other people, but, but a lot of the burdens was of her own making. And so she kept looking for relief in all the wrong places until she met Jesus one afternoon at a well. And Jesus offered to lift her load and give her some living water. Let's look at just a little bit of this interaction between Jesus and this woman. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, referring to the water that was in the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Okay, so what is, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying if you'll take his yoke, if you'll connect to him, stop, stop looking in all these other places, connect to him, we will experience a life-giving, refreshing satisfaction that never runs out. But see, most people, they're looking for satisfaction everywhere in every place except for in Jesus. And these other yokes that we burden ourselves with, they never bring satisfaction in fact, it's never enough. It always demands more. Okay, that new thing is old, so now I gotta get a, another new thing. I need more of this, more of that, more money, more promotion, more new things, more, more, more. Trying to lift the weight, lift the load, lift the pressure with all these other things that always inevitably ends up backfiring on us because it just adds more and more weight to us. Meanwhile, Jesus is saying, why don't you come to me? Why don't you take my yoke? Connect to him. Connect to Jesus and find rest. Connect to Jesus and let him satisfy. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. So the people around Jesus, they've been feeling this heavy yoke. They've been feeling this heavy burden that was put on them by the Pharisees and all their rules and regulations, and that sets up Matthew chapter 12. Now, just so you know, uh, that, that when the authors of the Bible, they wrote it out, they did not include the chapters and the verses. So Matthew wasn't like, okay, we're done with chapter 11, now chapter 12. Right, that, was, that came after to, to give us easy access to reference, to, to find passages really quickly. But as we move into chapter 12, this theme is continued on. And Jesus is actually going to expose the heavy yoke of the Pharisees that they were putting on the people to weigh them down. So let's move to the next chapter, Matthew chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. At that time... Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. They were playing this gotcha game, weren't they? And so as they walked through the field, the disciples are picking grain. Now, there was nothing wrong with them picking the grain. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 23 actually allowed travelers to do this. They could pick the grain and eat it as they walked through farmer's fields. 
In fact, the scripture encouraged farmers uh, not to completely harvest their field to allow for this. So picking the grain did not go against the Jewish law. The issue was not them picking grain. The issue was the day that they chose to do this. Any other day would have been fine. But they were passing through this field and picking grain and eating it on the Sabbath day. And don't you know that honoring the Sabbath, that was one of the premier laws that proved your real commitment and devotion and dedication to God. So to, to correctly observe it, there were rules upon rules upon rules upon rules. It was one of the largest yokes, actually, of all, honoring the Sabbath. We mentioned some uh, rules earlier, but there were other rules that, like this. You could not tie a knot on the Sabbath. <laughs> or you couldn't carry something in your hands on the Sabbath. Now, you could carry something in your hair or the hem of your clothes or you could stick it in your shoe. You could do that, but just not in your hands. Some took it so far that you could not even defend yourself from attacks if you were attacked on the Sabbath day. Isn't that crazy, right? So as you can imagine, when their enemies caught word of this, okay, that, that's a rule that these Jews have. Guess what day they chose to attack Jewish people on? The, the Sabbath day, right? Rules upon rules upon rules. Many that didn't even make sense. So the Pharisees, they're freaking out about Jesus allowing his disciples to pick grain on the Sabbath. Next verse, verse three. Jesus said to them, well, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him to eat, but only for the priests. So Jesus, he's really savvy here. He uses one of the Jews' favorite kings, favorite ancestors, King David, as an example to prove their point. Now, David, uh, centuries earlier, he wasn't quite king yet. He wasn't there yet. He was on the run, actually. He was being chased down by the deranged King Saul. And so David and his men, they're on the run, and they find themselves in the temple. They find themselves in the tabernacle. And, and every week, the priest would make 12 loaves of bread, 12 because it represents the 12 tribes of Israel, and it was called the showbread, or as Jesus referred to here as the bread of presence. And the bread of presence, it served as a reminder of God's everlasting covenant with his people. His presence would always be with them. By the way, centuries later when Jesus came, he was the fulfillment of that covenant. In fact, he referred to himself as the bread of life. He is the bread of presence. So David, David and his men, they were famished. They, com they, they were in desperate need of some food. And the law allowed only the priests to be able to eat this bread of the presence. Only they could eat it. Yet in this instance that, that Jesus refers to, when David and his men are on the run, the priest that is on duty that day allows David and his men to eat the showbread, to eat the bread of presence. And in response, after they eat it, God does not punish David or his men for eating the bread. Because for God, 
David's need for food was more important than the priestly protocols. See, God places a high priority on people. Every once in a while, uh, as a staff, we'll discuss uh, policies and procedures and these things that are necessary to run an organization like this and, and how we need to have them. But whenever we are put in a position to have to choose policy or people, for us, we've decided it's people over policy. Right? Policies should be able to flex and bend when caring for the individual. People should come first. That's what Jesus was telling the Pharisees here. Systems and regulations, yes, they are necessary, but never at the expense of the needs of the individual person. So for the disciples, their need for food was greater than keeping the man-made rules of the Pharisees. In the next verse, Jesus actually gives another example. Or, have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? So he's saying, hey, hey the priests, they had their duties in the temple. The, the, the temple system required them to do certain things every day of the week, including the Sabbath day. So priests were having to work on the Sabbath. But God didn't hold them guilty. See, Pharisees? Then it goes on, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. Oh man, that was, that's a powerful statement right there, right? He, he is saying that I am deity, something greater than the temple is right here in your midst. Meaning that the kingdom of heaven, which was now among them, was greater than the temple systems that they were used to from the Old Testament. He was greater than. Then he goes on. And if you had known what this means, and then he explains what this is, he quotes the Old Testament here, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. So he closes this statement by, by quoting an Old Testament scripture back to the Pharisees, which said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The Pharisees, they were cherry-picking certain scriptures while ignoring other scriptures like this one, scriptures that convey God's distaste for fake worship. And so he quoted one such verse in particular from the prophet Hosea, chapter six, verse six, which says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. The prophet Hosea here, he's saying that, that rituals and obedience, that means nothing unless God has our heart. So Jesus is asking the Pharisees, why don't they seem to make this scripture a priority, but they're nitpicking about all these other things? He's, he's exposing them, right? He's exposing the Pharisees that they were far more interested in making rules than having hearts that followed after God. God, however, is much more interested in our hearts than our rituals. He's more interested in having our hearts than seeing us play out our rituals. 
Now, it's good to have some spiritual disciplines. We need to put things in place that are gonna help us on our spiritual journey and our walk with God, but those things should never supersede our passion and love for God himself. God didn't want the Israelites' rules and sacrifices as much as he just wanted their hearts. And if the Pharisees could have grasped this concept, if they could have truly understood the heart of God, then they would have understood the love and compassion that was behind God's laws. But they didn't make any exceptions. They left no room for love, no room for compassion, because they were constantly playing the gotcha game. Oh, I'm looking for you. I'm gonna get you. By the way, that, that's one of the yokes of the enemy, is playing the gotcha game. You better submit to our rules, our man-made rules. That's why cancel culture is out of control right now. You better fall in line with the narrative that you're being fed. You better fall in line with these man-made rules and values and truths or you'll be condemned. That was the Pharisees' game. They made themselves the arbiters of God's law. And Jesus, he comes along and says, no, 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 you don't have the final say on what Sabbath living is all about. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. That's what he said in this next verse. In verse eight, he said, hey guys, it's me. The Son of Man, I'm the one who is Lord of the Sabbath. He's saying that I am greater than your made up rules. I'm greater than the law, I'm above the law. The creator is always greater than the creation. <laughs> Therefore, as the creator, he has all the authority to override and supersede man's traditions and rituals and regulations as he so chooses. As Lord of the Sabbath, he's the one that gets to decide what the Sabbath is really all about. And other passages tell us that he said that the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is there to serve man, not the other way around. See, God's laws were never intended to inflict hardship on his people. The Sabbath was given as a gift from God to his people, a gift that's to be enjoyed. It's not meant to be a weapon to punish people. That's what the Pharisees were all about, right? We're gonna get you, we're gonna punish you if you don't do this, this, and this. That's not why God gave us the Sabbath. He gave it to us as a gift so we can rest, we can be refreshed, we can be renewed. See, God knows that we just can't keep going and going and going. So he gave us the Sabbath as a gift. And for the next few moments, we're just gonna get a little practical and apply some of this to our lives today. You see, I believe that the Sabbath is really a critique on two groups. The first group, it's a critique on workaholics. Those who are always working, they never take a break, they work, 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 incessantly they work. In fact, workaholics, many of them, they take pride in it, don't they? I'm so important, I'm so busy, I need to work 80 to 90 hours a week. You should respect me for that. Don't you think that's respectful of me that I have to work so hard? 
I, I bet if they're married, if you were asked their spouse or ask their kids, they would not find that amusing. They wouldn't find it respectful. They wouldn't find it funny at all. It's nothing to be respected. To the, to the workaholics today, I wonder, are you making time for your family? Are you enjoying your family? Do you even know the names of your neighbors? Have you gotten to know them? Or are you just so consumed with work that you don't have time for any of that other stuff? That's not how God created us. God knows how much that we can take. He knows the importance of taking a 24-hour period of time where we can just shut it down, where we can just rest and enjoy life. In fact, God values rest so much that he modeled it for us. All the way back to the beginning of the Bible in the Genesis creation story, there were six days of creation. And then what did God do on the seventh day? He rested. He rested. God rested from his work on the seventh day. Now listen, he's God, right? He didn't need to rest, but he knew that mankind would need rest. So he modeled it for us. He showed us how it's supposed to be. The Sabbath is a critique on the workaholic. Secondly, it's a critique on another group of people, and that is people who are lazy. Our Western world is consumed and filled with people who all they want to do is rest and Sabbath. Right? This is what I live for. Leave me alone, I'm Sabbathing once again. Right? Much of this generation, we are overly coddled. Right? If anyone asks us to do anything that might result in the smallest amount of effort, we hem and haw about and we get agitated and frustrated and, and question, how dare you ask me to, to get off this comfy couch and do something to help around the house? <laughs> it's true, God invites us to rest, but he also values good work ethic. He created us to be productive and innovative and creative and, and constructive and to add value to society. Some people, when interviewing for a new job, their first question is, now, how many vacation days do I get? What's the personal day policy around here? I need to figure this out, see if I want to work here or not. They view their job as a way to get money that they can blow on their days off. The book of Proverbs talks a lot about the value of hard work. Now, parents, we don't endorse using scripture to manipulate your children, but if you're ever having trouble with them helping around the house, getting them motivated to, to do some chores, I would advise you to send them to the book of Proverbs and, and read a little bit. Like this one, Proverbs 13:4. Lazy people want much, but get little. But those who work hard, those are the people that will prosper. Proverbs 12, verse 11. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Some people have all the time in the world to chase fantasies, right? To be on Instagram and TikTok and, and all the social media platforms. Or they have plenty of time to chase down Bowser in Super Mario Kart or chase down Pokemon all across town. 
But God, God never intended life to be one endless day of rest, one endless vacation, one endless Sabbath. Nor are we supposed to work ourselves to death, right? Jesus said, what profited a man if he gained the whole world but lose his soul? We want to have the balance. It's hard work and rest. It's productivity and relaxation. It's both and, not either or. And Jesus, in this passage today, he gives us the prescription to those things that would want to weigh us down, the the pressures of life, the burdens of the world. And it's a two-part prescription. He said, take my yoke and take a Sabbath. If you don't walk away with anything else today, Hear what Jesus would say. It's kind of like the doctor that says, hey, take two of these and call me in the morning, right? These are, this, this is Jesus. Take these two things. Take his yoke and take a Sabbath. He invites us, take my yoke. Don't pick up the yoke of the pursuit of more money or more power, work, 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 or, or don't pick up the yoke of you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, or whatever else has been draining your mental or physical energy. He invites us to take his yoke, disconnect from all of those yokes, and connect with the yoke that Jesus offers. Then, number two, very practically, he says, you need to take a Sabbath. Take a Sabbath. You need a 24-hour period of time where you can just shut it down mentally. You just need to let it go, shut it down. We all need rest. We all need some renewal time. And Pastor Wes Newell, one of our pastors on staff, he's a shining example of this. He's a shining example of this. He's always walking around looking refreshed and renewed. In fact, his last name is Newell, and so he kind of does that play on the word with us as a staff. Sorry, guys, I got to go. It's time for my renewal time. But I just love this about Pastor West. You never see him weighed down. He has learned to let Jesus do all the heavy lifting for him. So you don't see him burdened down with all the cares that some of us are guilty of carrying. Let me give you one last quick story. One man challenged another to an all-day wood chopping contest. Come on, brotherhood. That sounds manly, doesn't it? Let's have an all-day wood chopping contest. Right? The challenger, he worked very hard, stopping only for a quick, brief, short lunch break. The other man had a leisurely lunch and took several breaks during the day. At the end of the day, the challenger was surprised and annoyed to find that the other fellow had chopped substantially more wood than he had chopped. I don't get it, he said. Every time I checked, you were taking a rest, yet you chopped more wood than I did. Well, the winning woodsman replied, but you didn't notice that I was sharpening my axe when I sat down to rest. See, the rest made him more effective for the competition. So what does that look like for us? Every week, we need to take a Sabbath. Every week, you need to do something that renews you. Whatever that looks like. It might be going for a hike. 
Don't go for a hike yet. It might be, ladies, you might want to go to the mall. Okay? Just don't spend too much of your husband's money, right? I don't know what you, need to, what you need to do to find that renewal. It might be uh, taking a nap or mowing the lawn, going to a game, whatever it looks like for you to renew and refresh. A day that looks completely different than the other six days of the week. Because when you do that, what are you doing? You're sharpening your ax. That one day of rest makes the other six days that much more effective. Isn't God brilliant? Isn't it cool that he thought this stuff up? Nothing gets past him, right? He cares for his people a whole lot. And because he loves you, he invites us to disconnect from all those other yokes and take upon his yoke. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus wants you to walk a little lighter today. He wants you to be a little freer today. Have your burdens lifted. So let's come to him and receive rest for our souls. Amen, everybody? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes today. I want to give you an opportunity to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I wonder if you're here today and you haven't yet made a commitment to follow Jesus. We wanna give you an opportunity to do that. Maybe you find yourself in this place today exhausted. You're tired of the striving. You're tired of doing what culture has told you to do to get ahead in life, to find satisfaction. But you find that it's a thirst that cannot be quenched. Listen, Jesus is the living water. And if you will drink from him, you'll never thirst again. So if that's you in this place today and you haven't yet made Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe as a child you went to church or whatever. Maybe even as an adult you, you went to this religious gathering or whatever it might be, but you find yourself here today needing Jesus to lift the load of sin from you. Listen, he's ready to do that. In fact, he's already done the work. He's already done the heavy lifting when he died on the cross for your sin. All you have to do is accept his grace. All you have to do is accept his invitation. Trust in him and follow him. So if that's you today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna say a prayer together, everybody out loud. And as we do this, we're gonna just initiate a relationship with Jesus. We're gonna say, Lord, I'm tired of doing it on my own. I'm exhausted from the worries and cares and doing it my way. And I'm ready to invite you into my life. So let's do this. Everybody out loud say this, Lord Jesus, I need a savior. I need rescue.